Hey there, folks. Alex Lokes here, Classic Camera Revival, and welcome to the Isolation Podcasts. Um, things are weird right now, but don't worry. We here at the Classic Camera Revival are here for you, and we are going to be bringing you several months worth of quality podcasts through May, June, July, and August. So what does that mean? Well, unfortunately, that means we have had to move our um, planned event on the 20th of June. Um, we are currently looking at the end of August at this point, but things change rapidly. So we have to keep ourselves on our toes, but enough bad news. You want to hear podcasts and we are kicking off our isolation sessions with an amazing interview with none other than Jason Lane, the gentleman behind the J Lane dry plates and the chromographica plate holders. So let's roll the intro and get into the interview. Welcome to the Classic Camera Revival, coming to you from the Greater Toronto Hamilton region of Ontario, Canada. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you most likely will by the end of the episode. Hey folks, Alex Lux here, Classic Camera Revival, and as I mentioned in the introduction, we have none other than Jason Lane with us today. Um, Jason, you might have seen him kicking around the uh, Facebook groups. He practices dry plate photography. And again, this is, this is an area of photography that I have never explored. I've done one wet plate in my entire life. And so, Jason, thank you so much for coming on to Classic Camera Revival. Take it away. What is dry plate? First of all, it's my absolute pleasure to be here talking to you guys this evening. Always happy to chat about this stuff. So dry plate is a uh, is a obsolete photo. Well, I guess it's not obsolete. It's a photographic process that dates back to the late 1800s. Um, it's called dry plate to differentiate it from the the wet plate processes that preceded it. So if you figure wet plate is is uh, sort of the mid 1800s uh, American Civil War era photographic process. Dry plate followed that uh, shortly thereafter. Um, it was, uh, the process is, is silver gelatin based. So you, instead of coating a, a plate with collodion, you coat it with uh, silver ge gelatin, a, a, a basic version of what's coated on the film today. Uh, uh, Richard Maddox, Maddox invented that invented in 1871. Uh, the process was uh, had an incredibly low speed, so it wasn't very practical as a replacement for wet plate. But during the throughout the 1870s, uh, 1870s amateur photographers sort of refined the process and and added uh, added methods that would increase the speed. And by the 1880s, it had it had kind of taken off um, and began to become commercialized. Uh, it led to the advent of the first amateur photography uh, uh, boom, I guess you could say, before dry plate. Uh, photographers were all professionals that had uh, had to bring their darkroom gear with them. Dry plate was much more um, practical. You could you could load up your plates in in dry plate holders and take them with you 
uh, on your picnic, shoot pictures, uh, and then uh, you didn't have to uh, develop them until you got back to your dark room. The 1880s, George Eastman started coating dry plates and, and the commercial part of it sort of took off. Of course, jo- George Eastman's uh, founded Kodak and, and started making a lot of money coating uh, photographic film, which quickly rendered dry plates obsolete. So by the 1920s, 1930s, they were falling out of practice, uh, except for in a few specialized industries like um, astrophotography, where the uh, science of astrometry, which is measuring the distance between stars, requires requires uh, is very precise measurements that require a very flat image plane, which dry plates can provide you, but film cannot. So dry plates were used in astronomical observatories up until the 1990s when they were replaced by digital cameras. But aside from that and holographic media, you know, nobody really used dry plates uh, unless they were making them themselves. Uh, like, like I started doing a few years ago. So really what was your inspiration for um, getting dry plates back up off the ground? Really? I don't, I don't know if you call it uh any inspiration driven uh, reasons, it was kind of actually rather spontaneous because I had been, I'd started coding, making dry plates a couple years before I started selling them and, and refining it and, and uh, getting the look down. And, and then uh, in late 2017, like right before Christmas time, I, I was getting actually pretty busy at my day job and I had a few boxes of dry plates I think I had like three blo- three boxes of dry plates. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to get to these. So so maybe I'll see if anybody would like them. So I put them up for sale online on uh, Fotrio, old APUG photographic forum. And uh, and went to bed. And when I woke up in the morning, I, I realized they had sold out in like five minutes. And I had a ton of messages asking if I could make more, make them in different sizes and all that good stuff. And so it sort of Ooh. took off. I, I guess I I'm motivated to do them because it it brings back a, a a look that I think has been lost to time as as the uh, film manufacturers um, continuously developed pun not intended developed film <laughs> um, and and made it better to respond to the demands of the of the uh, of, of the photographic community, you know, throughout the 20th century, they continue to refine it and all that good stuff. And as they did that, um, the look of black and white photography, you know, slowly shifted a little bit away from what you have with dry plates. And so I, I, I do enjoy filling a niche. I think that's, uh, of bringing back these old looks that have been lost to time, I guess you could say. So speaking of those looks, what is it um, about that um, look? What's the appeal to you for that um, that look of dry plate? And can you just give like a brief description of what it's like? Yeah. So I, I first, there, there's a, a lot of different subtle aspects to it that sort of combine to make dry plates look unique. You know, it, it's, um, it's a very basic a silver gelatin, uh, based process. And so it shares characteristics with film that 
that came after his film is obviously based on silver gelatin, but the sensitivity to the part of the visible band that it sees, um, it shares a lot of characteristics with wet plates. So, so you sort of have this hybrid in between look of, of wet plate where you have kind of a higher contrast, different rendition of colors. So, you know, uh, uh, reds always look very dark. I have some pictures of fire trucks that look black, but the uh, but there's more to it. There's like um, you know these these old the dry plates from the late 1800s. They didn't have things like uh, anti-halation layer, so you get this glow around the highlights that is is really appealing to me. It uses a lot more silver grains, so so the the concentration of silver grains is is higher than modern, modern film. And, and there's also a uh, tangible aspect to working with dry plates. You guys, if you shoot and develop film, you know that part of the appeal is handling that, that negative and then, and then making prints and stuff. And with dry plates, it, instead of a, a piece of film, it's a, it's a solid chunk of glass that you could, that is, is fragile. And if you drop it, it's, it's lost forever, but you hold it and it's got weight to it. Um, it's a very, it's like that tangible aspect of film photography that we like, but like squared or, you know, exponentially greater. It's hard to describe, I guess, but there's a lot of things like that, that, that make it different and unique, that that really appeal to me. What were some of your uh, technical challenges that you faced when, um, when making these plates? Pretty much everything <laughs> <laughs> was a technical challenge. Now, uh, as you guys and some of your audience may know, I'm, I am an engineer. I'm a lens designer by trade. And so I like I like tinkering with things and figuring out technical uh, challenges and, and solving technical problems like that. So that the technical challenges appeal to me. The biggest thing was getting actually getting the emulsion to stick to the glass. And anybody who has worked with them will be nodding their head because because part of it is making sure that your glass is very, very clean. Mm. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, so that when you coat the emulsion on, onto it, it's, it, it will actually survive the developing process. You know, I had, I've seen some great pictures coming in, into view, you know, it can develop it under the safe light and, uh, and then see them float away from the glass. Cause I hadn't cleaned the glass properly. And, mm. and there was, there was like two, yeah, there was like million dollar photographs they, or they would have been. <laughs> I like to say, uh, I mean, there is two parts of it too. There's, there is very technical challenges out like that for my own personal use. And then when I shifted production, um, to, to meet the demand, there was, that was another technical hurdle because cleaning glass, for example, you know, part of that is, is controlling your temperatures and stuff. So it, which I can do myself. Right. But when I ship a box of plates off to somebody else, they may not have the same water or control their temperatures the same way I do and stuff. And so having to figure out how to get the emulsion to stick to the glass, I had to do that twice once for my own use. And then once for everybody else in the world to use, because like, uh, you know, up, up here in New Hampshire, my tap water can get pretty cold. So it's easy to hit, uh, you know, 20 Celsius. Um, but somebody down in Florida may not be able to, there was a lot of things like that. Uh, tuning the the characteristic curve by by adjusting how the 
how the uh, emulsion making process, you know, all the technical things associated with that, F- uh, having to go back and dig into chemistry calculations and equations that I hadn't seen in, you know, 25 years since I was, you know, drunk in undergrad college, right? Having to figure out how to do molar calculations, stuff like that mm. to, to uh, you know, there's all that stuff. And then, and then shooting, you know, getting a good plate, shooting the plate and developing and all that good stuff. It's, it's, it's been one big fun technical challenge after another. So where did you find a lot of this information? Well, like most people, the internet, (laughs) Uh, some of, some of it initially, like I found a recipe online um, that I followed and uh, produced the results. And, and so that was kind of the start, right? Just finding a, an emulsion making recipe. And then um, one of my big resources was um, Denise Ross's website, the lightfarm.com. Uh, Denise is, is great. She's, she's uh, sort of one of the pioneers, I think of, of modern uh, make modern dry plates, you know, making dry plates for your own use. Um, uh, Ron Mowry, who is known as photo engineer on APUG, Ron, Ron recently passed away, uh, but he, has a ton of information on emulsion making and, and working with dry plates uh, that he left behind on Fotrio. I, I talked to him many times. I've also talked to uh, Mark Osterman and Nick Brandreth up at the George Eastman museum. You know, this, it's like this, uh, this dry plate making community. It's, it's a pretty tight knit community and, mm. and all the folks who are really into making it like myself and Denise and, and Nick and, and all of them are, are, more than happy to share information. And then the other, the other thing were all the books that uh, have been written over the years uh, related to uh, making emulsion. I mean, uh, you know, I'm definitely following in the path of giants. There's been a lot of work done over the past, you know, century, century and a half of making silver gelatin emulsion and that stuff's out, out on the internet. So I'd find myself, digging into periodicals from the 1880s, 1890s, looking up information. And it's, and it's funny because, you know, per- periodicals were the 19th century's version of, of forums or Facebook. And so you'd see, you'd see a lot of information from amateurs, you know, sharing tips and techniques, but you'd also see interesting, like bickering back and forth, like uh, uh, <laughs> these two guys, Vo- uh, Vogel and Eater, who, I think Vogel figured out the the sensitizing dyes so that the the emulsion could see a large part of the visible spectrum. You 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 go dig in periodicals, you can see where they kind of went back and forth, and it and it reads just like a a thread on Facebook. It's funny, um, but you know, obviously, it happened over months and weeks weeks and months. But so the, there's a lot of information out there that I just sort of pulled it in and, and learn and taught myself stuff. And, and then also there are things that I had to figure out for myself because as much as you can read in a book, there's a difference between reading about it and then actually doing it yourself. Right. I'm sure uh, a lot of folks can relate to that, but. Uh, Most definitely. Okay. So for, again, um, the plate plate community is fairly close knit extremely niche even within the analog photography community yes um if one wanted to start shooting plates what's what sort of advice would you give someone first thing i would say is 
you know, you either decide if you want to, uh, you know, make your own dry plates, which is, which is great. Or, um, you know, my dry plates are available to sort of help you up that learning curve. The, the first thing I'd say is you need, you need to make sure you have the proper equipment. Um, you don't need a specialized camera or anything like that. My workhorse is a, is a speed graphic, uh, but you do need a plate holder and you can either, you know, go, go on eBay or whatever and find antique wooden dry plate holders and get those and use them. And that's what I've done. Um, or you can wait a, a couple months and then buy my new dry plate holders. And I'll try not to plug that. But I, the reason I made these plate holders is because nobody had made them for decades and decades. But but really, that's that's pretty much all you need to get started. You just need a, a, a plate holder, which is the uh, equivalent to a, a sheet film holder, right? But it, it accommodates the thickness of the glass. So you load that. Um, you know, I, I rate my dry plates so that you can meter uh, sort of like you do with, with regular film and, and then you can develop it and, and get a good, uh, get a good image and sort of go from there. But there is a, a learning curve involved with it. So, so what I've done is, is um, sort of wrapped up all the knowledge that I've learned the hard way and put it on my website. So um, that usually what I do is I point people to the website. So, say go look at the technicals and tips page and it has a lot of info on on how to shoot them and stuff but um you know in in general the dry plates are going to be slow so you need a tripod you need a camera uh, a large format camera typically to shoot them and then a dry plate holder and then you know to develop it it you know i use like hc 110 or d76 or whatever um one of the nice thing about dry plates is they're typically orthochromatic or, or blue sensitive only you can develop an under, under a safe light. So you can kind of watch the image form like you would for a print. And, and so uh, you can see it develop and that kind of helps out figuring out the development times and stuff. Um, so you, you mentioned about needing specialty um, plate holders and yes. that's a perfect segue into your <laughs> Kickstarter actually. And you roughly said that these things haven't been made in a long time, which makes sense. So why did you decide to build a new plate holder? Well, the, the first question that, that people usually ask me is where can I find plate holders? And, and I've been asked that question so many times since I started selling them. If I had a nickel for every time, I'd, I'd have a bunch of nickels. And, and so what I would tell people is, well, you can go look at flea markets or go on eBay and, and look for them and all that good stuff. But at some point, people would start emailing back saying, I can't find them on eBay. The The demand was for the dry plates was so, so great, I guess, that people had sort of scoured eBay for plate holders and there weren't actually any available for a while there, a year or two ago. And, and I had actually... Um, you know, back in mid 2018 or so, I actually started uh, looking around to see if somebody can make them. And I talked to woodworkers, you know, local woodworkers and folks to say, hey, can you, I'd bring them a holder, uh, an antique holder, something that was made by Kodak in the 1890s or 1900s. And, and I'd say, can you replicate this? And they'd look at it and scratch their head and say, no, I, I can't make these cuts, right? Um, the, it, it was something that, that was, 
you know, they had set up to manufacture, mass produce them. And that skill and equipment was just kind of lost the time. So woodworkers couldn't make them. I had a couple of people take a whack at it, but, but it was so intricate and stuff and hard to make that I, I couldn't get anybody to make them. And so Emmett Brown of Emulsive, he got me in touch with, uh, I was complaining to him because um, uh, we had chatted back and forth, but he, he got me in touch with uh, Steve Lloyd of Chroma Camera. And he said, hey, you two guys should talk because Steve Lloyd has just come off a successful Kickstarter campaign for his Chroma cameras and had, had the capability to, to make holder prototypes and stuff. And and I knew what needed to be done. And so, you know, we started talking and and uh, working on concepts. And over the course of the year, we we fleshed out a design for the holders and and, uh, and launched the Kickstarter. But it, it was really, you know... Uh, I really wanted to get this Kickstarter out because I knew that if I came out with a design that could be made, people would buy them and, and buy a lot of them. And that basically meant that they had to be mass produced. And that meant, you know, making, making plastic holders, uh, uh, which uh, the easiest way to do that quickly and at, at a low cost would be injection molded, make uh, making it out of injection molded parts and, and injection molding, once you have the molds made is, is pretty cheap. And so we will be able to sell them at a, at a, at a decent price, but the cost to actually make the mold and, and uh, the initial production run is, well, it's more than I got. So, so that's why we launched a Kickstarter to cover the cost of the molds. So we could get, get everybody who was interested in shooting dry plates uh, access to new holders. And uh, yeah, so it, it turned out to be accessible. We, we exceeded our goals. Um, had about three hundred supporters uh, back us in the in the three sizes that we made: four by five, five by seven, and eight by ten. And and right now it's in the it's in the process of wrapping up. You know, we're we're waiting for uh, right now in the cycle. We've we've had a first uh, serial number one of each of the sizes come to us from the manufacturer, and we had some feedback from them, so they're they're finishing up the molds and, and once they're done with that, they'll, they'll do the production run of the parts. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Um, let's, let's get to uh, some community uh, questions here um, from Neil Piper. Um, why would I want to shoot dry plates? Is there anything I can expect from them that I can't get from shooting film? I think, uh, well, I kind of talked about how the, the look is unique and, you know, it has its own look and it's, and it's subtle and, and, uh, and, and I've actually had people sort of buy a box and shoot a player or two. And they're like, well, yeah, you know, I, I can see where it's cool, but I can't see the difference. And they'll shoot a couple more and they'll go, they'll say, well, wait, I can, I can kind of see a difference. It, it's got this cool look to it. And then they get into it and they buy more and more plates. So it's, it's something that you start noticing as you shoot different scenes and stuff like that. So there is a subtle, unique look to dry plates. There's a tangible aspect that I really like when you hold a plate, you know, you're holding something real because it's, it's, it's got some weight and some mass to it. Yeah. And then there's also the aspect if, if you're into, uh, into collecting or trying to use antique cameras, there's this whole generation of cameras that were, design and build in a dry plate era that you just can't use with film because it, 
it um, you know it doesn't it doesn't support it. Like uh, the shutters are, you know, you can't get uh, a short enough exposure or whatnot. But there's there's this whole era of cameras that have beautiful optics and have a unique look to them that just go mm-hmm. really well to uh, with with a, a basic emulsion like like uh, what I coat the dry plates with. So. Well, I I definitely know that I am looking forward to receiving my holder. And I think another person in the CCR group, James Lee, um, yes. got in on it as well. So right. I might have to borrow his holder as well <laughs> and um, bring four plates to an 1812 reenactment and get some uh, portraits done. Oh, of, that'd be great. Of some of the reenactors. So looking forward to doing that. Um, from Sean Nelson, um, have you spent any time creating formula that could make the glass plates positive? Uh, yes, I have. And that's something else that I kind of stumbled into. There's been a fair amount of interest in that. And it started when I went down and visited uh, Sam, Sam Heiser at New 55 because he had come up here and, and, and got some plates and, and got a nickel tour of our you know, Pictoria Graphica Worldwide Corporate Galactic Headquarters here in my basement. And so he invited me down to to check out their facilities. And we were down there and he ran a dry plate through his monobath formula that that he sold uh, FF number one. And when the plate came out, it, it was a very light tan color. The, it, it wasn't, the, you know, the silver that was up behind. It wasn't the the classic blacks and grays and stuff but it was this light tan color and he's like well that's weird i wonder what happened i was like i don't know um and that sort of sat in the back of my mind and and um i was talking to nick nick branderth at some point a few months later and he mentioned that he was playing around with positives trying to coat tin to make uh silver gelatin tin types and 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 he showed me a picture of it and it was that same light tan color but you know on a black background it was a positive I was like, well, that's interesting. And, and so, uh, you know, I sort of stewed on it in, in the months when I was not getting any sleep coating plates. And, and then at some point I coated, I got, got my hands on some black glass or no, I started coating some tins and I had a couple of people ask if I could do that. And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? And I'd coat them and send them off to them and, and tell them how to develop them and stuff to try to get a positive. But the, but the tins, like the emulsion doesn't stick very well to, to metal. It's not like collodion. Right. Um, so eventually I got, I got some black glass and I coated that and developed it in, in a, in a bottle of the Sam's monobath that he had sent me and it came out a positive and I posted it. I've got a, a dry plate photographers Facebook group and I posted it there and, and said, Hey, look, it's a positive. And uh, a couple two or three people started running with it and experimenting and stuff. So that it is possible what, um, and there's a, there's a lot of info in that group to dig through. Um, the consensus was that you can, you can get a positive out there, but it, it's got this sort of weird off white color. That's, that's more of a sepia color. It's not the pure whites of a tintype, but it looks pretty close. And it's just something that uh, I, I know is possible. You can go, and dig through the the literature and find find out in the 1880s that there was a process back then where you know, I kind of call it a hybrid process. Well, you know, wet platers were 
we're sort of getting used to the idea of of shooting dry plate because it is a different it's a negative process right versus a a positive process of wet plate tintypes mm. and so i think some companies were were putting out kits that you could make essentially like a silver gelatin amber type but you know i, I got so much stuff going on it's hard to follow up with that and so yeah it is possible and uh there there's a lot of info there I mean, they can reach out to me and I'll point them to where the info is. Okay. Um, so oddly enough, the follow-up question from Matt Jones is that, is there going to be a direct positive um, version of your plates? Uh, it, it's on my list. When that will happen, <laughs> I have I have no idea. I mean, you know, uh, as the business has grown, it, it sort of gets exciting to think about how it's growing and, and the path it can take and what I can do with the company side of it. And eventually, I'd love to take my basic emulsions and start coating uh, film, or or bring back some old obsolete paper. Like, how cool would it be to be able to get your hand on a box of reproduced Velox and do oh, that? Wow. So, wow! Um, Last time I saw Velox was when I was emptying the darkroom at Old Fort Niagara <laughs> up in Youngstown, New York. Yes. Yeah. The manager had um, seen me shooting a four by five and asked me to come um, find him at the end of the uh, 1812 event. Yeah. He took me down into this basement, into this massive dark room that looked like it hadn't been used in decades and said, do you want it? Oh, that's cool. And I ended up driving all the way to New York City and back to Canada with a trunk full of dark room equipment. Oh, man, that's great. That's great. <laughs> Yeah, I have a I I came across a box of 8x10 Velox from the you know late 1940s uh sealed. And uh it actually had I mean it has some fog to it but not so much that I couldn't use it. it it's just got this great look to it. I'm like, oh, "Nice." Man. So that's that's sort of you know, there's a lot of different ways I can go. You know, I am I am a lens designer too. And I and I actually have a uh a fellow engineer, a mechanical engineer who, uh, who is helping me grow the business. And, and, you know, when Steve and I about partway through the Kickstarter, uh, Max came on board and, and, uh, he really helped straighten out the mechanical models and all that good stuff. And when you get an optical engineer and mechanical engineer, it's pretty easy to imagine what kind of things we could make. So, Oh, mad science, mad science. (laughs) Yes. So, um, but yeah, pause, positives is on that list. I mean, I'll, I'll explore it. Be great if I had Codex R and D budget, but uh, um, you know, we'll try to figure out if we can make it work. That's that's one of the things I think that would be kind of cool to bring back. Nice. Um, from Dean Lastoria, um, how does one overcome the fear of shooting on glass plates? <laughs> just just do it. <sighs> nice. I, I haven't broken any. Oh, good. Shooting them. Um, You just have to be a little bit extra careful. Yeah. I mean, buy a box, you know, a a box of the dry plates that I, that I sell, they, in the smaller sizes, they come 10, 10 to a box. I've got the instructions on the back of the box. Nice. Um, I, I always am happy to answer questions and and I often do. So I mean, one of the things I I love about doing this is all the people that I get to meet and talk to. 
and try to help out. And, uh, you know, it seems like most folks who get them have, have some good success. So there is a precedent there. If you can follow the instructions, which I know photographers don't, <laughs> then, <laughs> but, but try and, uh, you, you should have some, some good success, but yes, the, uh, just, just get some and do it. And, um, final questions from, uh, Juan Suarez. Um, is the haze on uncoated glass cleanable without polishing? So it's uh, one must know I'm a lens designer. So it, it depends. So the haze can be can come from uh, several different sources. There, if it's uh, especially on old lenses, oftentimes it's due to outgassing. And if you can get the lens out, it you can usually clean that off with uh, an array of solvents. Like I use either distilled water or uh, acetone. It, it, it really depends on you, your choice of, of solvent depends on, you know, what the mounting material is and stuff. Um, even Windex helps out. And, and usually one of those um, will, will cut out that haze. Now that said, if it's haze due to uh, damage to the surface, for example, if you uh, got a lens who uh, that came from the coast and it saw a lot of uh, salt spray or whatever. The uh, alkaline water is one of the things that the coating material is is soluble in uh, uh, mag fluoride. And so, if uh, if if it the lens has been exposed to that and it's got a coating on there and it's got haze, then it may be damaged to the coating and, and you you can't clean that. It would have to be stripped or go on eBay and find a replacement or something. But uh, mm -hmm. But typically, haze internal can be cleaned off with a solvent. If uh, if the haze is fungus, then you can clean that with uh, hydrogen peroxide. That'll get rid of the fungus, and and uh, you know if you're lucky, you won't have any residual damage from uh, that the fungus caused to the coatings, and you could then clean it off with um, alcohol or or whatever, and then put it back together. That's fine. Well, that about covers it for today, Jason. Again. Thank you very much for um, coming on board. One final thing, where can people find you online? On Facebook, I've got a dry plate photographers group uh, that you can join, and, I, and I'm uh, pretty active there. I'm on Instagram at Pictoriographica. And then I'm on, I, my website is www.pictoriographica.com. Uh, for the Kickstarter campaign, you can go look up Chromographica on Kickstarter. You can follow the updates there. Okay. Um, again, thank you very much. That about covers it. All right. Thanks guys. 